Welcome to The Manifest, a podcast all about package management. My name's Alex Pounds. And I'm Andrew Nesbitt. And together, we're exploring the technical details of package management, the stories and the history of various projects, and the communities around them too. Today, we're joined by Diego Lasada, a senior software engineer at JFrog and one of the creators of Conan, the C and C++ package manager. Diego, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me to, to this show. So Diego, you're working on Conan, which is a package manager for C and C++, but how did you get to this point? What's your career looked like? What brought you into the C and C++ world? And how did you find yourself in the world of package management? My career is probably not a typical one because I'm not a, a computer scientist. Uh, I am an industrial engineer. My area of expertise was robotics. So I did my, my PhD in robotics. I was a professor in robotics. I had a tenure track position at academia, at university, but most of the day I was programming, you know, robotics is programming in C and C++, and I was also developing other projects for, for the industry, you know, uh, developing software for, for industry and communications and transportation software. So I learned a lot there. I really love software engineering. I had a pain. I had a pain that was this lack of package management. I couldn't believe that there, there was nothing out there that I could use to, to use other people's libraries in my own projects. So I started to research and there was nothing, almost nothing. So I decided to give it a try. I quit academia, I quit university, and then I started my own startup. I got some funding, I raised some venture capital, and then I, I got into the world of package management and dependency management for C and C++. So this is uh, my, my background, mainly academia and research, but also doing a lot of uh, industrial projects for, for companies while I was at university. When you were doing those industrial projects, were they all in C and C++ or were they in some other language? No, they, they were in C and C++. At university, I was coding in C and C++ uh, most of my time. 80% of my time, I was, I was developing code in C and C++. So when you didn't have a tool like Conan available to you, how did C and C++ programmers share dependencies? We share dependencies and, and many developers still do today, just getting the sources. So when you want to use someone else's library, you go to their site, GitHub or their own website, you download the source code, you build it. Uh, if you're lucky, you might get some, some pre-built binaries for some popular platforms. Maybe if you are in Windows uh, and you need to develop in Windows, probably you're lucky and you, you have Windows binaries. But in the general case, you have just to grab the source code and build it yourself. And as you can guess, this can, this can be a very, very painful experience, especially if you have like uh, transitive dependencies uh, and you are developing in a, in a system that they don't, you don't have a, a system package manager that will, will have these, these dependencies for you. Then you can waste probably a day to get your, your project working because you are introducing a new big dependency. So, so this, this was the, the original pain that caused me to, to quit academia and, and start this because the process is, is, is really painful. You mentioned transitive dependencies in there. Just in case any listeners aren't familiar with those, what is a transitive dependency? Transitive dependencies is when you are uh, requiring a library because you want, want to use it in, in your project but that, that library, in turn, uses another library that you were not initially aware of. So if you want to 
use the first library that you intended, you also need to install, in the case of CNC++, you need to retrieve the source code, to build it, to install it in your system, so it is available for you and your original dependencies you wanted for your project. So if you are using a big project, for example, OpenCV, that it has several third parties, transitive dependencies, it can take you a lot of time to install that library for your project. I guess most people's exposure to this, if they've used a Linux system, might well be through something like apt-get or RPM, where if you try and install something, it will also pull down its dependencies and the dependencies of those dependencies. And they often include C and C++ libraries. I'm sure most people will have seen like the things like libav and libav-dev, which is like the headers for that package. So a lot of people will have a package manager on their system, which can pull in C and C++ libraries. Does that not work to solve the problem? No, it doesn't. Uh, well, it partially does solve the problem. And for many users, uh, that if you are only developing in Linux, for example, probably it's a problem solved for you. But if you check, for example, the, the latest uh, Stack Overflow survey, you will check that a huge part of the developers, they are developing in Windows, for example. And there is also a huge uh, number of developers that they are doing cross-platform. So you probably want to support both Linux and uh, OS X, or maybe you, you want to support all the platforms, Windows, Linux, and OS X, or even other uh, different platforms. So if you want to do that, then the complexity of maintaining your project increases because you have to take care of AppGet packages in Linux Probably if you are using a couple of different Linux distros, then you have to consider different package names and different versions you will get also. Because if you are in Red Hat, probably you, you might get a different version from the same library you want to, to install that in, in a Debian distro. And those, yes, they are C++ libraries, but they might have different APIs. So then you have to start to figure out how to use the same uh, dependency with the same version in all operating systems, and then it is not a problem solved. It is, it is still a, a huge pain, and this is the pain for consuming. But then if you want to create a package yourself for one of your libraries, and then you, you want to support all the system, then it's, it's not a pain, it's a nightmare, because you have to be creating packages for all those platforms, and they are all different package managers. So maintaining all of that is a lot of job that, that a few people do. What I wanted when I, I started this, this career is a solution that will, will serve for all the platforms. The other, I guess, uh, dimension to that that potentially adds even more complexity is the different compilers that you could use within even just the same system. Uh, that, does that add another fly in the ointment? Of, of course, of course. This is um, one of the challenges that C and C++ or dependency manager for developers has, is that very, very often developers, they want to use different compilers. They want to use different flags for the same compiler. They want to have different options. Hey, I don't want to link static, this library. I want to link with this library in, in, in dynamic mode, in shared mode. And I want these special optimizations here, and I'm going to enable a sanitizer that is uh, some tool that will check for memory errors, for example. 
So I want all of this. And if you build your library with those flags, then it will be incompatible and you won't be able to link with a different configuration. This is what is called the ABI, the Application Binary Interface Incompatibility Problem. So the, the system packages, they might work because the, the distro maintainers, they do a very large effort to keep everything synchronized. So they are building everything with the same tool chain. They are making sure that everything builds together. And this is the main reason they maintain basically one version of a library. They don't maintain a, a wide range of, of versions for the same library, for the same distro. Because the problem is very difficult. It's very difficult and satisfying all the needs of C and C++ developers that I would say is the most diverse uh, community of, of programmers. They're, they do uh, very widely different things from embedded to robotics, artificial intelligence, finance, uh, performance video games. So, so the domain is, is so huge and the needs are very different. So there is no single build that can address all the issues. So yes, they need to, to build many different binaries and they need a system that could manage those binaries for them. That sounds like a very complicated problem to get your teeth into. I can see why you needed to build up a company and kind of raise some funding. What kind of timescale did you envision taking to, to really start to dig in on this problem? Well, this path started in 2012 and I've been working in this problem for, for more than five years now. Actually, the first years, they, uh, they were to learn. And we learned a lot of things. We did a lot of mistakes. And I think now we are in the, in the moment that this really is starting to, to grow. And uh, I would say that in about one year, one year and a half, two years, then uh, the Conan package manager will, will have a much, much more consolidated uh, space. I'm not saying that, that today it's not because, for example, a recent survey of Meeting C++ uh, Twitter account, it was showing like a 20% like a of, of the users, they were using Conan already. That is, is not bad for, for being, now Conan is live for, for less than two years. So this is, this is, this is good. This is good for the, for the moment. Because if you recall, for example, NPM, like the first three years of NPM, if you check the growth, it was basically linear compared with the, with the exponential growth that, that today is facing. So I would say it is, it is working uh, pretty well uh, so far. So how popular is Conan today? Do you know how many projects are using it? How many packages you have or how many Conan packages are available? Any numbers like that you can share? Yes, and I think this is a very, very relevant question. It's difficult to answer too because we, we don't have good metrics. It's something that we didn't want to, to introduce. We don't have any kind of telemetry built into Conan. We don't gather any data from, from our users. So all, everything we have are indirect measurements from, from other systems. We used to have from the Python package index uh, some metrics, but they were not really reliable and they removed them. So we don't know, for example, the number of downloads of Conan that people are, are installing, but, but we do have some indirect metrics. For example, we, we are using Artifactory uh, as one of the, of the server backends that can host Conan packages. And uh, those, those Artifactory servers, some of them, they have some, some kind of uh, telemetry. 
and they gather some, da some data. So from there, we, we know that there are hundreds of companies using Conan in production. Of course, we, some of them, we, we, know, we know them directly, and some of them, they were, they were kind enough to let us put in our homepage, for example. And you can check that Mercedes, for example, or Plex, they are using Conan in production as today. So, so this is very nice. And from the numbers we have from, from um, the Artifactory telemetry, we can see that there are hundreds of companies. The numbers about the packages that are available, open source packages in public, is very interesting because what happens with Conan is basically the opposite that happened with other package managers, that they started very, very strong in the open source space, and then they were gradually adopted by companies. In Conan, it has been the opposite, probably because of the way the Conan was designed and, and our history that I can share with you later, is Conan started to be adopted by companies much faster than, than by open source. And as today, uh, adopting by companies is, is massive. Is uh, Let's say that our 90% of our usage is from companies using Conan, and only 10% is of, of uh, open source uses. So for open source packages, there is a public central repository that we are curating and we are reviewing it. It's called Conan Center. And I think it has only like 70 packages so far. But uh, the good news is that we, are also, we also have an amazing community of open source contributors. They are called the Bean Crafters. And the Bean Crafters, they are basically some users. Many of them, they work in companies too, and they were, they were creating package recipes and Conan packages for their needs, for their libraries. And then they started to, to gather together and they build this community and they're contributing these packages. They have their own repo and they're contributing them to, to Conan Center. I think they have like something like 400 packages so far. So it's not that uh, all of them, they are perfect, but they are contributing them to Conan Center and then we are reviewing them Let's say in total, there will be like 500 uh, packages. There was a project from a contributor that he, he built like an index, a meta index of different uh, Conan repositories. And as today, I think he was counting like 500 packages so far. So I know it's a, a very small number compared with, with other repositories like NPM, for example, that has like, I don't know, millions of packages. But as I said, I think it's a matter of time because the, the adoption in, in companies is very large already and is growing very fast. The thing is, open source library creators, C and C++ library creators, they are still not adopting Conan that far. We think that this because they don't see a huge value already. The, the number of packages in Conan Center is, is, is not that big. And for them, initially, it's, an, it's extra work. They have to uh, create packages they have to build the binaries, they have to upload the binaries to Conan Center or to other repo, and there is something that they, they, they need to do. If they are already very popular, C and C++ libraries, they are already popular, and people are using them no matter if they are providing Conan packages or not. And if they are not popular, then they are not popular. Some of them might, might be using Conan, but it's not still generating this, this uh, virtuous circle effect, this network effect. But eventually it will, it will. We are, we are seeing that uh, it is starting and it is growing. So hopefully in the next year or next, next two years at most, uh, we will be there.
So this talk of increasing the number of packages available in Conan might be a good jumping off point to talk about what a library maintainer has to do. If I am a C++ programmer and I have a project that I want to publish in Conan, what are the steps? What do I have to do to make that happen? So the steps to, to uh, publish a, a package in, in Conan Center, let's say the public central repository, it's different if you are a library creator or you are a third party that you are creating packages for a third party library. So if you are the library creator yourself, it is relatively simple because you have to add a, what we call a Conan recipe. It is a Python script you put in your, in your repo. This Python script will define the steps of, of creating the package, typically the source method will specify how to fetch the sources. The build method will call your build system to build the binaries for that package. The package method will extract the artifacts, the final, the headers, the libraries, and that's basically what is needed. The thing is that if we want to make sure that this package is, is a good one and it's going to build in different platforms, in different operating systems, we strongly suggest that you are using continuous integration and for open source libraries, this typically means using Travis continuous integration and a Bayer. And of course, setting up Travis and a Bayer uh, to build Conan packages requires some extra work. And then if you want to go further, okay, I'm going to provide binaries for my package so my users, my consumers can link these packages with several versions of the compilers. For example, no matter if they are using GCC 4, uh, GCC 5, GCC 6, GCC 7, they will find a binary that they can link with. So then the continuous integration work uh, jobs, they have to build those packages from, from the, that source code with different compilers. How to set up that with Travis, continuous integration? So the easiest way or the let's say the more robust way to achieve that is using docker uh, and then you have several docker images each one with uh, an environment a compiler and a compiler version and then your your travis ci will be calling docker to be able to build the binaries for different compiler versions so this is nothing that we are uh, requiring for library creators if it, if it is their library they can do whatever they want but if you want to have like let's say solid packages with pre-built binaries for the largest part of the audience of your uh, possible users, then you probably need to set up that. And initially it is extra work. Once you have done it uh, for one project, it's, it is almost the same for every project. But if you are the author of a one open source library, then for you is a 100% type of investment that you are not going to to pay in other projects because you are maintaining basically one. So this is, let's say, one of the difficulties, one of the barriers that uh, open source library uh, developers is one of the, of the reasons they, they won't take Conan straight ahead and say, hey, I'm going to create Conan packages because it requires uh, some investment in time. And if for some reason, I can't contribute binaries for other platforms. Is that something that other people can come along and do? Like, is there a community aspect to contributing those binary builds? 
right now there is there is no way to directly contribute binaries. I think it's it's mainly also a security problem. So the the flow that is now defined to contribute binaries is you don't build the binaries not because you don't want, it's basically because you don't spend the time configuring your continuous integration. So when, when someone wants to contribute binaries, they typically do a pull request to the continuous integration scripts of the original repo. And they will be adding the support for building those binaries with the configuration they want, but from the original author account. So you cannot just create your binaries yourself and do a pull request of binaries with your binaries to the to the original author. This is not uh, still a feature. Well, we have thought about it a couple of times, but it's still not there. I guess there's a certain element of trust as well uh, that comes into play if you're going to be receiving binaries from unknown people on the internet and then distributing them for them. <laughs> the truth is that uh, most of the users, as I, as I told uh, before, most of the users are companies. And companies, they are not using the binaries that, that are provided in Conan Center or in any public repository. So the actual flow for, for using packages from Conan in production is, okay, I'm going to try this. These libraries, these packages existing in Conan Center, they, they, are, they look fine. I'm going to use them. So then they fork the, the, the package recipe and they create the binaries in-house and they build their, their binaries in-house themselves. So they take full control of the of the tool chain and everything. If they need to change anything, they will just change the code, do a, a commit in the repos, and they will rebuild the binaries from themselves. And they then they get an, a totally isolated environment from the public repos. And I think this is this is great. I mean, we have seen so many problems in the past with. Uh, for example, with NPM2 and the left path uh, disaster and those things. I, so uh, I think it's the, the good approach is not to depend on, on public repositories and production. You have to own your full dependencies and you, you can be offline and still be able to build your, your products and everything. So I'm totally fine with that. So for me, the binaries in public repositories, they are mainly for testing for uh, evaluation, for trying things, for rapid prototyping, but not for production. And does Conan then make it easy for that company to to hear about updates or uh, security patches for uh, one of the dependencies that they've then kind of taken in-house so that they don't have to fix all the bugs themselves, but they can still get all of kind of the community work that happens without having to kind of manually watch all of those different things? Right now, no, there is no automatic way to uh, to check these updates. And uh, of course, I know about the libraries.io, uh, for example. It's, uh, it, yeah, it's uh, ab absolutely amazing. So it, it would be great to be able to hook on, on something like that. It's still not there. It is also true that traditionally, upgrading dependencies in the CNC++ space has been like a different flow. I mean, for upgrading uh, your dependency on Boost library from one version to the other, many companies, they, they would take that to a committee and they would have to have formal approval for upgrading the dependency and everything. So it's not that, okay, I've checked that this an update, I'm going to update. It doesn't happen that way in CNC projects in many, many, many cases. So 
even though for security and updates, I, I would like to say that there is a tool from JFrog that is called X-Ray that integrates with Artifactory. So if you, if you are using the Artifactory, the Artifactory backend for storing your packages, and now you can do it for free because we also released a, a community edition, then you will be able to, to use X-Ray in the future. Right now, this functionality is not implemented yet, but this is intended for scanning your packages. So it will scan your packages and detect things that are outdated. It will detect vulnerabilities, non-vulnerabilities in that code and those kind of things. Right now, it's still a manual process. And as I said, it's something that is kind of hard-coded in the C and C++ communities. And because we don't upgrade dependencies that, that fast compared with other languages. You mentioned that uh, you use a Python script for defining the package recipe. What led you down the path to use Python as well as C++ code for the combination of things that make up a Conan package? So the question is why, why we are using Python for, for the Conan package manager? Yeah. This is a, another very good question. Uh, it's something that we learned from our past experience. So when we were working in our first attempt, it was called B-Code or Bycode, it depends. Uh, we were developing a tool, also a dependency manager from C++, that it failed. It failed for many good reasons. We did a lot of mistakes, but we learned many things and we were talking to many companies. So one of the things that we realized is Okay, C and C++ is uh, complicated. You have to manage different build systems. Companies have uh, a wide range of different build systems. You cannot attach to just one. Hey, I'm going to use CMake. No, you cannot do that. You have to work with different build systems. And you have to work with many different conditional logic. So you definitely need a scripting language to create your packages. One of the things that I, I think that the CMake build system for C and C++ is, was so success, successful and is today the de facto standard in, in C and C++ building is because it is a scripting language. It is a very terrible one regarding the, the syntax, but it can, it can script things and you can do a for loop and you can download a file from the internet. And I think this scripting uh, capa capability was crucial for that. So we really knew that we wanted something that could be, be a scripting. Inventing your own language is no way. No way. Why invent a new language? And then from all the research we did with companies, we were talking to many companies by then, like 70% of them, they were already using Python to do this kind of job. Uh, and if they were not using Python, they were not using C, C or C++ to develop their tools. They were using mostly bash scripts. So let's say 70% was Python, 20% was shell or bash scripts, and the other 10% will be other tools, maybe Java, Maven, some Power, PowerShell scripts. So most users were already using Python. So then it was like a no-brainer. I mean, everybody's using Python. We need a, a scripting language. And then regarding the internals, okay, if we are already using Python, for the recipes, Python allows us to go much, much faster. The ecosystem is there, the dependencies is there, and as a, uh, for quick development, it's best. I think I, I'm not a, I love C++. I like, I like C, I love C++, and I think C++ is an amazing language. 
But I also think that if you don't know which tool is the best for the problems you are facing, you are doing a mistake. And in this case, for, for this kind of tool, this package manager, I think Python is, is a, an exceptional language. I think this is supported by other, other tool makers. For example, the Meson build system is also coded in Python. And there are other examples out there. They are, they are creating tools for C++ and they are also developing in Python. So I know this is kind of, it's a source of controversy and some people will say, hey, a package manager for C++ should be built in C++. And then I tell them, okay, so my most popular package is OpenSSL, that is pure C. Do you want Conan to be coded in C? No, no, it has to be coded in C++. So, so uh, yeah, it's the way it's going. So no, actually the best language to code this as today is, is, is Python. It's Python and I, I don't regret it. I think it was the right decision. It is still the, the best decision. It allows us to go very fast, to iterate quickly, to solve bugs very quickly. Um, and it doesn't stop contributors. C and C++, they are already uh, developers, they are already using it, and they know Python enough to create Conan packages and to contribute back to the Conan code base. So it is working very well. So the Conan client itself is written in Python as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the Conan client, it's 100% Python code. So one of the reasons why Andrew asks that question about Python is because as part of his library's I.O. project, he's trying to pull in all the various package definitions and parse their dependencies. And if a package definition is in an executable format, that makes his life more difficult to do that. Now, rather than just write a regular expression, he probably has to spin up a virtual machine like a Docker instance and like run that code and make sure it all resolves okay and get the output that way. But has that executable nature of the Conan package definitions caused you any problems or caused Conan any problems? Uh, no, I'm sorry, Andrew, for that. But um, yes, the Conan recipes, uh, they are something to be executed. As I told before, uh, we really need all that conditional logic. So for example, the dependency graph for, for Conan it changes. It changes a lot with the different operating system. So the conditional, uh, you typically have a conditional to say, hey, if I'm in Windows, I want to depend on this library. If I'm in Linux, I want to depend on this other library. And the only way, the only way you can do that is, uh, of course, you can you can invent your own domain-specific uh, language for that, and that would be easier to parse. I know it, but at uh, at some point, it will restrict users. So uh, for us, they are almost pure Python scripts. It's basically a class with different methods. And Conan, when it's executed, it is calling those methods one by one. So yes, I guess for automatic analysis of that, you should be spinning like a virtual machine or something to be, to be safe. Uh, for Conan, it's not a problem because everything is computed and evaluated at the client side. There is uh, the server side of Conan. It's just pure storage. Nothing, not a single line of Python gets evaluated in the server. So, so for in that sense, it's not a security problem for that. And of course, once once you are in the client, in the client side, and you are a user, you are already exposed to the to the recipes themselves or to the binaries that you are using. So you you must be 
you must check your dependencies and you must know what you are what you are installing if you want to be want to want to be safe anyway i guess you're working uphill a little bit with the history of c and c++ code there being a lot of tooling that already existed a lot of different scripts that will be combined together to actually to build a c++ program that as soon as someone's going to make a a conan library that depends upon an existing C++ library, you're going to need to be able to shell out to those C++ libraries scripts to be able to build and link those things together. So you can't really just throw all of that existing stuff out the window and expect the ecosystem to kind of start from fresh, where most new package managers, especially you look at kind of NPM or any of the very newer languages like Rust and Elixir can kind of lay the foundations out in a very neat and tidy way to begin with. You don't have any of those uh, options available. Yes, absolutely. And this is a very good point because I we have seen other package managers, other attempts to package management in C and C++ that they were imposing a build system. For example, the most recent one was a Bukaru. They were they were proposing to use Buck, is the Facebook build system, as the build system for everything. Right now, it seems this project seems to be abandoned. I think you cannot impose a build system for C and C++ because, as you said, the legacy is huge, and there are many critical projects and libraries that their build system is so complex and so big that moving to a different build system is a huge investment already. So. This put the the burden on the package manager, and the package manager should be able to adapt to that. So, so for example, if you're using your own project with CMake, then your build method will will have just three lines of code. It's very simple. But what happened, for example, to package OpenSSL in Windows? It happens that OpenSSL in Windows requires both Perl, that is something that typically won't be installed in Windows machine and also native assembler. And you need those two things to build successfully. So what you end is uh, with an OpenSSL recipe that for the Windows case, it will have probably, I don't know, 30 lines, 50 lines of Python code that will be managing the building of OpenSSL in Windows. And it will require two other packages, we call them build requires. And we will put active Perl in a in a Conan package itself, and we will put native assembler in another Conan package itself, so they can be used at build time as a dependency. So you don't need to install them in the system, and it's very convenient. But but yes, so the moment you say, oh, okay, I want to create a package for OpenSSL, to the moment you have a package for OpenSSL, just for the Windows operating system, it can take you a couple of days. So it's a large investment. It's not just three days, but it's the only way, because you you are never never going to achieve. You are never never going to make them to change the build system. That won't happen. So you have to to deal with that. So the good point is that you make the effort once, and then you write the recipe for OpenSSL, and then hundreds or thousands of developers they can be reusing that recipe to build OpenSSL much more easier than, than in the past. 
So as I usually, I, I think of corner recipes as an automated readme. So the typical CNC++ legacy way to do package management is the readme-driven development. Is you take the readme and you execute all the steps manually until you get the, the dependency installed. So let's say the corner recipes, they are just automating this readme in a Python script. But yes, if the building of the library is a leg legacy library and it has 30 steps to be able to build the library, your recipe will have 30 steps to be able to build that, that library. And it will be complicated. It's something that we have to live with. And this is the yeah, this is basically the main reason we choose Python for, for the for the package recipes, because there is no way that you can implement that in a domain-specific language that will be mainly declarative, let's say. So if, so Conan if has, Conan these, has these nicely declared recipes for how to build different C and C++ libraries that's in a very reusable and kind of platform agnostic way. Have you seen other package managers look to Conan as a, as a way of solving some of their problems when they come to build C and C++ binaries for their own packages? So for example, in the Python world, when a Python library links to a C library, has anyone tried using Conan as the tooling to manage the C part of that uh, dependency chain? Yes, we, we have had some example. It was a, like a multi-stage multi, multi -stage compressor. It was uh, implementing some Python extensions. So it was a C++ library and he was providing Python binding, bindings. So when he realized that he could manage the C++ with Conan, he, he also was implemented the part of, of creating the Python binding, bindings with, with Conan too. So it's something that can be done. And we also have a blog, a blog post in our blog uh, saying how to use Conan to, to create Python packages. We don't really think that is something that really makes sense. I mean, uh, besides uh, some special case with uh, your extension and everything, we don't think that Conan should, should extend to, let's say, Python packaging. But uh, yeah, we have seen some, some interest in, in the extensions. But the, the thing is that when you are creating the extensions for Python, then the problem of the ABI compatibility is not that, that important because every Python extension will be like a small virtual environment. And you, you can basically create a Python extension with a compiler and you can create a different Python extension of another library and you could build it with a different compiler, a different compiler version, different optimization settings and everything. And they won't, they won't conflict because you don't have to link this, this extension from to the other one. So they are, uh, let's say, decoupled by the Python code. So then the problem of the ABI compatibility is, is less important. So of course, Python has the, has the wheels and they, they are creating uh, binaries for Python for Python packages that are very convenient, but still the problem is not that difficult because the Python code is isolating the uh, binary compatibility problem. So I would say for Python extensions, Python itself, the ecosystem is is good enough unless you are dealing with a library that has some a lot of dependencies and it, that is already packaged or managed with Conan, then the benefit is not that that large. So if, let's say, OpenCV, for example, builds out of the box, creating a Python binding for it, uh, is relatively simple, 
without using Cora. So the uh, the pain that query comes from is a project I used to manage in the Node.js ecosystem that binded to a C++ library called libsass. And the problems really came when it was a combination of building the binaries for uh, libsass that worked against multiple different versions of V8. So uh, v the V8 C code at the same time and then making sure that it worked across different versions of GCC, depending on the version of GCC that was available on someone's uh, computer uh, when they were actually installing the package, as well as then considering the dependencies available on Windows versus macOS versus Linux. And it was pretty kind of mind-blowing as the new versions of Node came out, which had then updated versions of V8, which changed their uh, interfaces. And that wasn't the binary interface, but more that we then had to generate different binaries for every different version of Node, version of Libsass and operating system that we wanted to build it against. That although the kind of the code to link those things together was fairly simple, the actual tooling around building and automating all of those binaries was incredibly painful. And any small change was incredibly hard to test and to manage without pulling your hair out, really. And I get the feeling that anyone in kind of, especially in dynamic languages, who's trying to, to manage that with building to something like OpenSSL or LibXML ends up kind of going slightly mad and having their own custom set of build scripts. And I wonder if they can kind of share some of that pain with the, uh, the by using the Conan package manager to kind of like smooth out the differences between say my Ruby native libraries and my Node.js native libraries. But I don't know if maybe that's, that's a very small number of native packages in most of these high level dynamic language communities. It's just that those packages tend to be the ones that are the hardest to maintain and get used a lot because they're often quite a lot faster than the, uh, say, the Ruby or the JavaScript equivalent. No, I, I, I totally understand it. I totally understand it. I, I've been there and I, I know what you're talking about. So I really look forward to the day that uh, all the C++ libraries, they have Conan recipes. So, so then you, you remove most of the pain away. So right now, yeah, it's a pain and building that and achieving compatibility with the rest of your system is a nightmare. It's the way it is. One other uh, thing that you mentioned a few minutes ago that um, pinged something off in my brain was that you were adding, um, I wasn't sure if you said packages or just being able to link to essentially compilers as dependencies. And I saw a talk at FOSDEM uh, earlier in the year from Todd Gamblin, who we need to get on the show at some point. Uh, he works on the SPAC package manager for used in kind of supercomputer environments. And he was suggesting actually having each, each library could declare its compiler as a dependency and then being able to have, uh, as the, the dependency tree is built, each different dependency is built with potentially a different version of 
the compiler and then being able to connect those things together. It was kind of mind-blowing, but the idea of actually having the full system, including not just the dependencies of the of each library, but the the compilers as well declared uh, as his an acceptable version of this thing potentially kind of gives you a way of defining the whole system that's in, that's required where often some of those things are kind of implied or even like left open for flexibility to say oh yeah you can use any compiler that you can get to work but actually having the maintainer say like this is a known good set of tooling in a machine readable kind of way potentially gives you an even more automatable way of being able to put together big complicated systems especially with many different dependencies that all need different versions of a of a compiler yeah exactly this is what the concept of bit requirements is implementing in conan so we have good examples for example for min gw compiler we have packages for that uh, for the cmake build system itself we have packages for that. So you can perfectly do what you said. You can make a package recipe to depend on CMake package and to, on the MinGW package to get GCC in Windows. And you can do that. The problem with that approach is if you do that, you will annoy some uh, developers. Why? Because they say, hey, what are you doing? Why are you stalling GCC here? Or why are you stalling CMake here? If I already have my, my GCC installed and my CMake, please don't retrieve 300 megabytes of extra tooling because this library, this setlib library is telling that it needs GCC. I'm, I will already provide it. So even if you can use these build requirements from, from Conan Package Recipes, we usually recommend to use profiles. So the profiles in, in Conan, they are a, a file, a text file, that will declare your configuration, it will declare your environment. It will say, hey, I'm using GCC 6, I'm using a release mode, I'm using this and that, I I'm going to create a static library, for example. And then you, you there, you can declare your build requirements and say, hey, I'm going to use this package for GCC and I'm going to use this package for CMake. And then they will be installed if you want but this is decided by the end, the end consumer, not the package creator. Because otherwise, you will be forcing the user to install them automatically. So one of the design policies we apply to Conan all the time is we want users to be free to do what they, they want. And by users, I mean end consumers. So the end consumer of a package recipe might be able to redefine things. It might be able to choose their own options. They might be able to choose their own tool chain, their own compilers and everything. And if that requires that the package will, will build a new binary from sources, because there is no pre-built binary for that, he can say, okay, let's build from, from sources. But we try to give power to the end user. And yes, uh, this build requirements concept is, is, is something very powerful. It's something that many of the users, or many of the Conan users are using in production. It's a feature that, that many people like. So it's very interesting. The only thing is you cannot do that for all the tool chains. For example, we have a problem right now with Visual Studio because you cannot package the Visual Studio tool chain directly. I think there is a license problem and you cannot do that. So I think you, you need to directly install Visual Studio 
from the Microsoft site, or you can even install the build tools, like an independent package, but you cannot redistribute Microsoft Visual Studio build tools independently. So there are no packages for that. And that is a pity because it would be amazing to have them as, as Conan packages. But uh, so far, it seems it's not possible. I remember they, uh, I think they solved it in the Mac now, but there was definitely a time when you had to install all of Xcode to be able to, to get the build tools on the Mac, uh, including agreeing to the, the Mac App Store uh, terms and conditions to be able to, to download this humongous uh, IDE. I think there is now a uh, like a much slimmer set of build tools that you can get to that solve that problem. Yes, for Xcode, I think it's, it's not a huge problem. But for, yeah, but for Visual, I think Visual Studio in, in Windows, the problem remains. I'd say most of the people, they just install Visual, Visual Studio, even in, in continuous integration servers. I guess you can't cheat and use the new Linux kind of uh, virtual machine in, inside of Windows to, to avoid <laughs> building on Windows or Visual Studio completely. No, but if you want real native Windows binaries, because you are developing a video game for Windows platform, that would be most of them, then you need to go with a Windows native uh, toolchain. The, the Windows subsystem for Linux is, is, is great, but it's for, for Linux. And most of our your users, they will want to run the binaries in Windows, in native Windows. <laughs> So we've talked a bunch about how library maintainers and creators can use Conan to package their software. But from a consumer perspective, if I'm working on a C or C++ project and I want to use Conan to retrieve some of those dependencies, what does that process look like? How do I use Conan for that use case? That process is, is much simpler because all you need to declare is a text file. It's called the Conan file.txt file. It is very simple. It's almost a Python requirements.txt file. You declare a list of your dependencies with your package name, your version. You also declare your generator, and the generator is is the the binding, is the glue you you need for your build system. So if you declare, for example, a CMake generator, when you type Conan install, it will retrieve the dependencies, put them in your in your local cache, and then it will generate for you a CMake file. It's called a conanbilinfo.cmake file. And that file has the declaration of the dependencies. The, for example, the include paths, the library paths, the library names, everything that your project needs to, to know to link with those dependencies, it will be put in a file. So if you're using Visual Studio, you can use the Visual Studio generator and it will generate a properties file for you. Or if you are using, for example, AutoTools, it can generate a file for you that will have the environment variables that the typical auto tool uh, toolchain uses. So those files then can be used by your build system. You will just include them or you will use them in your, you will load them in your IDE, whatever, to use those dependencies. So the flow will be write the Conan file with your dependencies, Conan install your dependencies, get the resulting, the resulting file, the generated file, and put it in your build system and just work as usual. Build, use your IDE, debug, whatever you want to do. So from the consumer perspective, you don't need to uh, know Python at all because you don't need to write uh, a package recipe in Python. You can use a text file. 
Do you think having Conan as a kind of a standardized tool for managing dependencies in C and C++ could make developing and getting into C++ development easier for beginners who don't have experience and don't have that ingrained knowledge into the kind of the history of, of the community? Yes, I think so. And this is an ongoing conversation right now because in the, you know, the C++ has an international standard and the, the ISO committee uh, was considering to add a 2D graphics library into the standard library of the language. And there was a lot of controversy and people discussing about it. One of the things that they were considering that is that there, there was no standard package manager for C++. C++. So they were thinking of newbies and people learning the language. And they say, hey, we want something for them to, to make the language attractive so they can draw things and they can do interactive graphics easily because the library is inside the language. And this is because of the lack of a package manager, a widely adopted package manager. Finally, it seems that this is not moving forward. So uh, it seems that the, the 2D graphics won't be in the standard library, at least in, in C++ 20 is the next standard. It is not decided yet, so it, can, it could change, but it seems it won't be. So of course, yes, I would say for the second step, for, because the first step, a package manager doesn't doesn't give any any benefit. You just need the simplest thing to write the hello world program and keep it very simple. But the moment you want to go an extra mile and start to motivate the learners and let them to do cool things like uh, let's say a small video game or a web server or a protocol of communication between different machines, a distributed system, then you need libraries. You need communication libraries, you need graphics libraries, you need things. And for that, a package manager is really necessary if we want learners to, to keep engaged and to keep motivated in language and learning C++ and not fighting the ecosystem and the build system. Because this is a pain. It's a pain for me that I, I, I've done it for many years. For a newbie, if they, if they need to install different libraries to get their functionality they want, it is very discouraging. So a package manager that say, okay, call and install, I get my dependencies, I just focus on my C++ code and learning my uh, to develop a small video game, that would be amazing. And I think this can improve the, the learning experience for C++ by an order of magnitude. So one thing I find interesting about Conan is the way that you are distributing both binaries, your build artifacts, and the source code used to generate them. Does Conan do any kind of sanity checking? Like, do you make sure that the distributed binary lines up with the, like, the sources? Yes, there is a check. So we take the, the package recipe. The package recipe could also contain other uh, files if you want. So it will has all those files and it will generate a signature. And then every time a binary is built, it keeps the signature of the, of the package recipe. So it can happen that you modify the package recipe and you change it and then you upload the recipe. And then what happens with the binary is that they, they become outdated. And Conan, Conan knows we, we don't remove them by default. So developers, if they want to remove them, they will say, hey, Conan, remove, that's uh, that's outdated. And it will remove outdated packages. But for example, if you do a very simple 
modification to the Conan package recipe, the Python script, you add a, a comment and you don't want to invalidate all your, all your binaries, then you know it. And Conan knows, okay, so the binary is updated, but it's fine, it's only uh, a comment. So there is a, there is a, a signature that is, is propagated and connects both the recipe and the binaries, and it keeps kind of, of a state between, between them. Of course, what you aim to do, and typically you will fire continuous integration, this is the outdated state is for developing and for trying and for moving fast. But at some point, you want to remove the outdated files and make sure that the binaries are synchronized with the package recipe. And this signature, this, this has, is what we use to, to keep them in sync. Does that have any uh, connection to the reproducible builds project? Being able to prove uh, the providence of a binary saying this, we can be sure that this binary was built from this source code. The, the Conan packages, they can have different uh, levels of reproducibility. So we, we aim high to, to, to have very good reproducibility and Conan packages, typically they will have the source method and the source method We'll, we'll do an explicit checkout of the source code and check out of a source branch or maybe a specific commit. And this is what defines your reproducibility. We don't enforce it. So if a user, they want to check out a master branch, they can do it. If they want to, let's say, leave hat head approach and, and continuously be overriding the packages, they can do it. So we don't force that you, you have to implement full reproducibility. But if you want it, you can achieve. You can specify which, which commit you are getting the sources uh, with it. And after all, then we also have a manifest uh, mechanism. So all the recipes and all the binaries, they have a manifest with the list of the files and the MD5 checksums. And you can, at any point, you can also capture this manifest and keep them in your projects and then later use them to verify. So if you want to make sure that you are restalling dependencies and they have not been changed, you can verify them against your previously captured manifest. So it's something that you can, you can, you can use. It's not that, that used because as I said before, most of the users, the heavy uh, usage of Conan is in-house and people using their own servers and building their own binaries so they are not that concerned that, that the binaries and the packages, they will change. If they change, it's because they did the, that change and they have control of that. But in Conan, you have those, those, uh, those ways to, to achieve this kind of re reproducibility. It's not that strongly enforced as other systems. For example, the, the Nix package manager, uh, that is, is basically it guarantees that everything is fully reproducible with the hashes. Uh, and it works. I mean, it's a great idea. In my opinion, it's a bit opinionated. It it doesn't work that way for for many CNC plus users. But it's uh, I like the idea. So Conan recently had a 1.0 release. What were the headline features that went into that version one? I, actually, so the 1.0 release, it was not a feature release at all. We had previously to the 1.0, we had like 30 releases. So we got up to 0.30 release. That means uh, 30 major beta releases with some of them with several patches uh, releases. 
So uh, the one zero was was a, basically a movement for it was a commitment, a commitment for stability. It was something that was being requested by also by other companies. As I as I told before, some companies out there they are very concerned about uh, stability, not upgrading things, not breaking things. So the motto "move fast and break things" doesn't apply to to many of them. So for them, for some of them, uh, having a zero dot x version of a tool was a no way and they wanted some some kind of commitment that we are we were going to be stable and we were not going to break things anymore it's not that we were breaking things that often but sometimes we did so with the one zero what we brought to the table is uh, our commitment for stability and since then we are committed not to break anything at all so a recipe that you wrote for conan one zero should be working in 1.20 and until we move to up to 2.0 that will be probably in one year from now it will be stable and nothing should break and if something breaks then we will revert that change and this is uh, basically this this commitment of course there are so some some exceptions like bugs if there is a bug uh, we will be fixing it and we will be introducing new features, of course. The, the compatibility um, and the not breaking is forward. Of course, if you use a feature that was developed in 1.2, that is the current version, you won't be able to use 1.0 to build that. So the compatibility is always forward. But we guarantee that everything that was written in 1.0 will keep working uh, at least for the next year. So no new features but a strong uh, compatibility and a strong uh, not breaking policy commitment. We have many, many uh, new features, very demanded features for the future. Uh, it is true that together with the no breaking, it makes it very challenging, but we are working on it. So for example, we are working on a feature that is called the Conan project. That it means, okay, now I, I can develop a package. But what happens if I want to be developing the source code simultaneously in three different packages that they relate to each other? They have dependencies to each other. It is probably not something that is, is that common in open source packages, but companies are using for their own packages. And they sometimes they are very, those packages, they are very coupled. They are not as decoupled as, as open source packages. So they want to be developing at the same time three different packages. And this has been a challenge so far because the packages they are creating with the package recipes, let's say the Conan has the control how to build and create the package. If you want to depend on things that you are also developing, then you are giving control back to the user. So this Conan project feature is a feature that will allow to define, okay, so I want, this is by dependency graph, I have 50 packages, but I want to depend to, to develop A, B, and C. I will be developing them. And you will be able to map them to your own user space. This is, we already have a preview for this. We are really proud of, of this. It was not easy. And we have a preview of this, this exciting feature. And we also have other, for example, package revisions, something to achieve immutability. Right now, uh, as I said, we always let the users do whatever they want. If they want to overwrite existing packages upstream in the servers, they can do it. They have mechanisms. They can set permissions, so it is not possible. But if they want to overwrite packages, 
they can do it. So the corner revisions will be a, a mechanism to, to be able to not overwrite packages, but be able to move forward, keeping history of all the changes. And that will be transparent for the user. So every new upload of the package with the same version will create a new revision. Users will be automatically using the new revision. And, but if someone wants to specifically go back in time to specific revisions, they can specify it. They can put it explicitly and they will be using the old revisions. So it will be kind of the git commits that every time you, you do a commit, it stays there almost forever and you can go back. So a similar concept with a monotonically increasing integers for revisions for, for packages. So there are many, there are many, many new features that are in our roadmap. Our GitHub is, is very active. So if someone has interest, we are using there the milestones to, to plan ahead a couple of, of iterations. And there are many, many features under, under discussion. So yeah, to say, to say some of them, the Conan project and the package revisions would be important ones. That nicely uh, covers the question of how someone can get involved in development of Conan. I guess is to go to the GitHub repository and kind of dive in on those milestones and issues. Yes, we, we try to keep the, the GitHub repository as friendly as possible. So for example, we, we try to tag some issues as good first issue and help wanted if, if someone wants to, to do something relatively easy to contribute. So we are also, we try to be very friendly. It's one of the things that uh, C and C++ was lacking. There was some analysis in GitHub, and it, they said that C and C++ were the the least friendly communities. We are trying not not to do that, and and we we are we are trying to support users and contributors as much as possible. So yes, if you are have some some uh, interest, uh, come to our GitHub and we'll try to help as much as possible. We also use as a, as a as a support channel. So if you want to fire a question about Conan or some problem you have, it's not only for bug reports, so you can use it also for questions. And I guess you also don't necessarily need to know any C or C++ because the whole thing's written in Python. <laughs> yes, but it's written in Python, but you are talking about C and C++. So you will be talking about C, make, build system, or something that doesn't link, or a C++ standard flag that you have to add, or the release debug mode you, you have to, to configure. So yeah, uh, you, need, you definitely need to need some C and C++. You don't need to be a, a C++ expert at all. You need to know something about building C and C++. Awesome. So that covers learning about Conan, the package manager. If people wanted to learn more about you personally and your work, where's the best place for them to go for that? I would say I'm not that present in the, in the social media. I try to keep my, my profile prepared. I would say the best way is in Slack. The C++ community has gathered in a Slack team that is called CPP Lang. It's pretty big right now. And I'm there. I'm, I'm Drodri. You can find me in the Conan channel. There is a Conan channel for the, for the Conan community. So I usually hang around uh, there and I engage with people discussing about C++, building and also, uh, mostly about Conan. But that is myself. Spell is D-R-O-D-R-I. 
that's my my handle for for that slack team and i understand there's a conan conference coming up yes there is a, a conference about about conan inside swamp up so swamp up is the jfrog user conference that is going to be held in in napa in california this may from the around the 16th of may and we will be there we will be making a, a training for Conan. We will have a Conan track given by, by Conan experts in companies that they are using Conan in production. And you will be able to meet the, the, the Conan team there. We will be there and we will have uh, many occasions to talk face to face. I think it's a great opportunity to gather with, uh, with the Conan team and the, and the community. So if you want to know something more, go to swampup.jfrog.com. Great. Well, thank you so much, Diego, for coming onto the manifest and telling us all about Conan. It sounds like a great project that's solving a number of problems in the C and C++ ecosystem. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how it develops over the next couple of years. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for the show. You are doing a great show. And thank you very much for inviting me today. Uh, join us next time for more package management insights on the manifest. <laughs>